0: And Welcome to Zero G. I am not your usual intro person that you will recognise my voice. We are rolling with ship Zero G without Rob today, unfortunately. He's busy tearing up a kitchen and playing with tiles and all kinds of crazy villain stuff that he gets up to in his spare time. And so I will be with you this hour, so I've got some interesting bits and pieces I think we'll update on a couple of things of interest that have floated past my vision in the last week or so, and then we're also going to talk a little bit about the new, I'm not calling it a reboot because it is not technically a reboot, uh, of the Charlie's Angels, the new film that is out in cinemas now. And then we'll also talk a little bit about – a couple of weeks ago I mentioned the TV series Limetown, which had been put out by Facebook Watch and it was sort of based on the podcast, which we also covered on Zero G a couple of years ago. So I've had a little bit of a look at that. So we might have a bit of a rundown of that. But before we do all that, I thought I'd talk about some bits and pieces and to get us in the mood for that because uh, there's always room for a bit of Witcher vibes in our – day. Um, so I, we're going to hear a little bit of music from The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt original soundtrack from the game. So I'm going to play you a little bit of Geralt of Rivia. This is Raymond DeFice, Scribe of midkemia and you're listening to Zero-G, science fiction, fantasy, and historical radio. Yes, that was Geralt of Rivia from the soundtrack of The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Uh, That's by Marcin uh, prizy I did that okay. Um, So I did play that, of course, because I'm going to talk about some bits and bobs before we jump into kind of the main portion of our day today. So you are listening to Zero G on Triple R. I am Megan McHugh in all the doing it on my own. I forgot to introduce myself. So yes, I'm a gimmicky. We would usually have Rob Jan here with us, but he is not here today because he's, I don't know, he doesn't tell me what evil things he gets up to. Um, something renovation related. So uh, today's episode, I think we will call, I'm not as good at this as Rob is. Um, we're going to call it Two Stewarts, A Witcher and a Mystery Town. And the podcast title will be Good Morning Podly. And it is episode, I'm not too sure because I didn't look it up before the show. (laughs) Um, A a large number because I've done a lot of these. So, okay, bits and pieces. So I played that track because a new Witcher trailer has dropped in the recent past. Uh, I've been very highly anticipating this. So it's a Netflix production. Um, They sort of, I mean, I don't know if it's a controversy anymore. I think people have gotten over it. They cast Henry Cavill as Geralt. And in the beginning, people thought he was too pretty and probably couldn't do it. But I've seen a bunch of photos of him with dirt rubbed on his face and the wig on. And I believe it. I'm here for it. I definitely think he's going to do a great job. And I also think that's because he is a self-proclaimed Witcher fan as well of both the books and the video games. And he put up a very nerdy tweet when he first got the job where he was like, oh, this motorcycle isn't as good as Roach, my horse or whatever. So he's a big nerd and he's into the role. And apparently he's been very method during all of the filming like staying on set keeping himself very in character so I respect him for that so anyway we have a new trailer for The Witcher that will be coming out the actual show will be coming out on December 20 on Netflix now I haven't confirmed but I'm pretty sure that will be everywhere so that'll come out both here and in the US and whatnot because they sort of stagger these things but generally we get them on the same date Um, like I know The Crown came out Last night at 7, just so it could be lined up with the US um, at midnight or something like that. So we had to wait all day. Um, But I've had a little gander at the trailer, so you can just look it up on YouTube, and it looks pretty good. So there's been a bit of talk about how it's going to be the new Game of Thrones, blah, 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 because we can't have any content without relating it to previous content we've already seen. But, I mean, I'm excited by that because I think when Game of Thrones first started, they probably didn't think it. They were like, oh, do people even like fantasy? Are people going to get into this weird, um, you know, dragon incest show? But people did. So I'm, I'm a bit worried that maybe they're putting the cart before the horse with this and getting a bit ahead of themselves. But it does look pretty good. There's magic stuff in it. Henry's looking really great done up as Geralt. They've got action. They've got battles. They've got him in a sexy bath which is a very core part of witcher (laughs) mythology and one of the things that I noticed in the trailer that they mentioned which I think is probably important to note and I think they're really kind of pushing this is that it's an adaptation of the book series rather than something that's like a video game tie-in because obviously there is the um, video games by Project Red I've just pulled that out with my head I think that's right uh which are very very popular and listening to that track before made me want to just go home and play it but they've sort of really tied this to the original book series which is by Andrej Sapkovsky. so they're basing it on the novels they're kind of and there's a little note in the trailer there so I'm assuming the games did also But it's kind of that shining, shining Dr. Sleep, Dr. Sleep thing where they're like, nope, we are going straight for the source material and we're going to do it based on what we want to do and adapt it based on what we want to adapt and not really be too informed by the video games. So I've not read the books. I'm very interested to read the books. I think I will probably wait and not do that until after I see the show, which is heresy possibly to some, but I think that's what I'm going to do. So anyway, check the trailer out if you are a fan of the games or the books. Like I said, I think it looks like they're trying to do it. It looks pretty gritty and dark. I'm not too sure. The tone of it looks pretty good. So hopefully we'll get some good stuff out of that. So my hopes are high. So hanging out for December 20, which freakishly is like a month away. It's like a month away. It's very, very, very close. Um, other, oh, it's a bit lonely without Rob here, to be honest, in the studio by myself. I do miss him. Um, okay, moving on to our next tidbit. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Disney+. Plus. So I think we've talked a little bit about it on the show before, but there's a bit more information out now. I don't want to dig into it too much because we haven't looked at what's on there. We're, I mean, we don't promote these streaming services or anything, but I think there's going to be a lot of content on there that is of interest to us. So I did want to mention it. So Disney Plus is obviously if you're sort of a bit behind the eight ball on it. It is the new streaming service put out by Disney. There's all kinds of bits and pieces all over the internet, which I won't delve into about different partnerships, because as we know, a lot of this content was on Stan and some of it is still on Stan now. So I'm wondering, there's talk about some kind of package. I don't know. They're still talking about stuff. Who knows what's going to happen? Now, Disney Plus is going to be available here for us tomorrow. So from November the 19th. Uh, it is already launched, I believe, in the US, and I think we're getting it along with some other areas like Europe and Canada and whatnot, but the UK doesn't have it yet. Uh, and I don't know if there's any, even any plans to roll it out. So anyway, it will be with us tomorrow. It will be eight ninety nine per month. So they're really kind of skating in underneath the price points of some of the other services that are available. And looking on the list of things that it will probably have is very interesting to me because you do realise how much content, um, not Fox, they own Fox, Disney now owns. So Disney owns a lot of stuff. And so at first, if you were like, I don't really need to watch the animated version of Lady and the Tramp, why would I get this? I mean, I don't think I need to see the real version of Lady in the Tramp, but they made that, didn't they? Uh, so if you feel like maybe it's just going to have, you know, like the Wizard of Oz on it or something, is that even Disney? But you know, old animation. No, no, they've got a whole bunch of stuff. So Disney obviously owns all the Disney properties, Pixar, the Star Wars properties, all of our Marvel properties and Fox properties. And what I found out today as I was doing some digging, they've just bought or have bought Hulu, which is an American streaming service, but it puts out content like The Handmaid's Tale and the Veronica Mars Season 4, which are both of interest to us here on Zero G. So Disney Plus is going to have a lot of this content that we have come to know and love. One thing that I personally am very interested in on its launch is it has all episodes of The Simpsons, which I have long wanted to be able to watch The Simpsons whenever I want. So that's very interesting to me. I'm wondering what's going to be on there at launch. I'm going to imagine that it's probably not everything. We're probably going to get a curated selection of things that they're going to drip feed us to keep us subscribing, but that's just a guess. So anywho, Disney Plus, check that out. Um, It's going to have some good stuff on there, including things like obviously The Mandalorian and such, uh, which we are no doubt going to dig into here on Zero G at some point. So there that is. Probably talked about already. We've overdone it now. (laughs) Uh, now the last thing that I kind of, the last bits and bobs type thing I wanted to discuss was, um, a video game called After Party. So After Party is the new game released by Night School, Night School Studio. Night School Studio, they did the game Oxenfree, O-X-E-N-F-R-E-E, which I covered on the show, I think, on just a month ago or so which I really, really, really liked. It was a narrative game. It had a very nice art style. It was quite simple design, but very complex narrative and so forth. And so it was very satisfying. A couple of hours to knock it over. And it was one of those ones where your decisions affect your outcomes and different relationships and you can have different endings. So If anyone's played it, I'm very keen to know what ending you got because I'm a bit dubious about the ending I got. But anyway, Night School Studio, their new game, this is part of why I played Oxenfree in the first place, their new game has just come out. Now it's called After Party and it's currently available on Mac, PlayStation 4, Windows and Xbox One. It will be coming to the Switch. I don't have a date for that, but it says... It promises me that it will be available on the Switch and Free was on the Switch. So I might hold out for that, but it did look pretty interesting. So if you want to get it on one of these other platforms, basically the premise of the game is that you drink your way out of hell. You have to outdrink Satan. I mean, if that's a log line to die for, it's great. It looks very colourful. The style is very similar to Oxenfree. It's got these little dialogue bubbles and you can kind of choose different options and it will affect how the game unfolds for you. You play as Milo and Lola, two friends who wake up dead and thus the drinking your way out of hell stuff begins. And I had a look on their website and I mean, these were just too good to change. I'm just going to read a couple of the features of the game, which I just think really sell it so explore an interconnected network of underworld islands via the river Styx. love it change hell forever players actions won't only affect milo and lola but also the people and places of hell finishing a quest on one island might result in the total destruction of another i'm very into butterfly effect gameplay so i really like that and i hope it's real and i hope it's not just you know sometimes they have these cause and effect things that are pretty one-dimensional and not that exciting Demonic activities. The underworld's pubs are packed with drunken games to pass the time. Beer pong, dance-offs, and chugging competitions all mesh with the dynamic dialogue system for a seamless narrative bender. I mean... Seamless narrative, Benta. That's so great. Uh, and the last one, party as two best friends. Control Milo and Lola with an intelligent conversation system that changes the story and your relationships based on every decision. Uncover their personality quirks and foggy history during the wild events of the night. So that is quite similar to the oxen free kind of proposition as well. And I'm very much into these conversational narrative hoo-ha. Um, and I've enjoyed that in games like Until Dawn... And uh, life is strange and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of dig this idea of the game being different for everybody. I always choose the nice option. They always have a really snarky conversation option where you kind of flip the person off and they're really rude to them. And I never choose those options. I always choose the nice ones where it's like, why thank you for your help (laughs) instead of like, get out of my way. (laughs) Um, So those are just some little bits and pieces that I thought that I would mention Uh, And something else that I've done is I've gone off to the cinema and I've seen the new Charlie's Angels film. Now, actually, before we get into that, what I might do is play the Charlie's Angels theme. And now this is the theme from the the new film. So obviously there was a theme for the... um, what do you call it, the original TV series, and there was a theme for the reboots. And now Brian Tyler, who's done the score for the new film, has also done a riff on the theme, which we shall have a gander at now. Triple R. Must be bad guys. Hi, this is Joss Whedon, creator of Serenity, Buffy and Angel. Welcome to New Melbourne, home of fish, fish fish-based activities and Radio 3, Triple R FM. Triple R, it's independent radio, and it aims to misbehave. Yes, this is Triple R, and you are listening to Zero G with Megan McHugh running solo today. So that was the Charlie's Zane. I feel like that was a little misleading. That really wasn't uh, the riff that I was familiar with, but that was the Charlie's Angels theme from the new film, uh, and that was composed by Brian Tyler. All right, so let us jump in and talk a little bit about Charlie's Angels. So I think it's one of those interesting properties where it's 70s based on the original. There's an original TV series, which is kind of in the realm of um, myth, I suppose. I think there's a few series from that era that were pretty mainstream and pretty popular and have since (laughs) – Suffered or garnered uh, multiple reboots or different kinds of adaptations. So Charlie's Angels is kind of one such um show. So the original series ran from 1976 to 1981, and it was a Aaron Spelling production, he who of you know Melrose Place, 90210, etc. Uh, it's starred a series of women as angels, but I do feel that they're there's sort of a core trio from season one, from my understanding, that people see as kind of the core angels, even though, you know, we had some Farrah Fawcett left after season one and we had other people come in. But over the time, the angels were played by Kate Jackson, Farrah Fawcett, Jacqueline Smith, Cheryl Ladd, Shelley Hack, Tanya Roberts, and David Doyle. Oh, no, <laughs> David Doyle was Bosley. Apologies. So what I found quite interesting as I was kind of looking this up was the I guess the meta I'm getting very uh sort of I don't know maybe digging a bit too deep here, but the metamorphosis of the idea of Charlie's angels over time, so in the seventies, I think there was a bit of discussion around you know it was all they were always wearing these little flirty outfits, and um, it probably wasn't the most. Uh, In some ways, not the most female empowering show. But look, I mean, they were doing action things and kicking butt. But I think Farrah Fawcett, I read this great quote um, that said, she said, when we're at number three on the charts, I assumed it was our acting. And then when we hit number one, I knew it was because none of us wears a bra. So anyway, cut to the year 2000, you know, Y2K had just, panic had just died down and um, I guess, I mean, some of the the hottest actors and actresses, we're not saying actresses, some of the hottest actors working um, at that time were kind of in what was a reboot of Charlie's Angels, which came out in 2000. So in that, uh, Drew Barrymore, Lucy Liu, and Cameron Diaz played the Angels and uh, Bill Murray was Bosley in the first one. In that 2000 reboot. And so that was quite commercially popular, and I have really fond memories of that. But as I was looking around, it wasn't very critic, wasn't received very well critically, but whatever. So that came out in 2000, and that kind of really pulled on some of the wacky energy of the original. But Drew Barrymore was producing on that, and one of the sort of interesting choices that I remember only noticing later is that in that that version, they didn't really fight with guns. They did everything kind of combat combat style and improvisation wise. But they did all of the stuff that people came to know and love from the TV series, the crazy outfits, you know, different kinds of scenarios that were kind of just built around funny ways for the angels to, you know, steal things or – kick butt or find out secrets and another thing as well was like there's a lot of music cues so it really used popular music and it was positively riddled with star power as well like there was a lot of people that popped up um and also i love sam brockwell and he was in that film as well and he's just fantastic and when he dances it's just like you know sunlight on your face So that was definitely comedy action and there was a campness to that and it really did kind of go in on some stereotype stuff. But I feel – and the other thing too that was interesting is I think they were kind of trying to definitely steer the ship more girl power uh, and take control of that. But I had a look at sort of their production credits and it's very dude heavy. So even though Drew Barrymore was one of their producers, McG directed both that and the sequel – and all everyone else, like screenwriters, they're mostly dudes. They think there's one woman on kind of that main tier stuff. So that movie was pretty ridiculous. And then Full Throttle came out. So Charlie's Angels Full Throttle came out in 2000. And we're really going down a Charlie's Angels history rabbit hole here. I hope you're all prepared. Um, 2003, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle came out. In my opinion, that is the superior, Charlie's Angels. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, they get into all these crazy situations and it's utterly, utterly ridiculous. But the three of them are very charismatic together and they were all very popular at the time. And they all – I think one of the, the whole vibes is that it's meant to be kind of a odd couple or odd trio kind of pairing. So you've got like kind of a ditzy sweet girl and then kind of the – which is Cameron Diaz, and then the kick-ass one who's very no-nonsense, which is Lucy Liu, and then kind of the bad girl, which was Drew Barrymore. I mean, it's all very one-note, but fun nonetheless. Then in 2011, and I didn't really know this until I kind of was having a little dig around in the history of the Angels, they did another TV series. They had a red-hot go at doing a TV series for the modern era, that was in two thousand and eleven. It was cancelled after not very many episodes. I think they made six of the planned ten. I didn't write this stuff down because it didn't seem that important, and and it was cancelled after maybe show three, so it really didn't take off. I didn't watch it. I didn't look up anything, any clips or anything, but probably it was maybe just going down the wrong path. So probably the only interesting thing to note was the creators of Smallville were involved in that reboot. Reboot, yeah, reboot. And Rachel Taylor was one of the angels and we see her pop-up later in Jessica Jones. So I think maybe that worked out because then she was looking for work. She got the job on Jessica Jones. Great. Great series. So then let's cut to now. So this version, Charlie's Angels. What I didn't realize until I saw this film was that it is meant to be a follow-up to the 2000, 2003 films. I had assumed we're just overhauling everything, and we are in a lot of senses, regards, tone, how things are set up, pretty much everything, except for the fact that we are meant to believe that it is in the same canon, canonical universe as the 2000, 2003 films. Um, so that was very interesting to me that they kind of did that. Now, this version is directed and written by Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks, who also stars as a Bosley. Which, I, which is great. I really like Elizabeth Banks. So she probably, most Zero G related, she was in Hunger Games as Effie Trinket and I think she was really perfect as Effie because Effie is kind of meant to be silly and ridiculous, but also, you know, she has this warm core and I think she really played that really well. Also, she's mostly known for me from a lot of Kevin Smith comedies and so on that she starred in. She's kind of from a more comedy background, but she's done some uh, genre stuff. So she wrote and directed this, and I think obviously then she's had a pretty clear vision about the road she wanted to go down. And guns are back. I mean, that's not a big comment, but I thought that was interesting. Now, this movie stars, apart from Christian Stewart, relative unknowns as the angels. And you might say this is perhaps where it hits the skids a little because people want to see people they know kicking butt. With the exception of, I mean, I guess the Chris's had to get made somehow, but they were sort of under the umbrella of Marvel. But anyway, it stars Naomi Scott. So she kind of plays out every woman who also happens to be a genius hacker because that's how everything works here. She's a systems engineer technically, which I find hilarious that they're saying all systems engineers are also amazing hackers. Um, So she was in Power Rangers and she was also in Aladdin, which I've not seen but I do remember her from Power Rangers. Um, and she has a decent amount of comic timing, Decent does a decent job here. Ella Balinska also plays, she plays sort of our prim and proper version of an angel here. So this is kind of her first big role. She plays Jane. Uh, one thing to note is she is trained in combat and that does come through in this because we see her fight. We don't really see the others fight like we see her face and she's great. I mean, she's like a thousand feet tall. Uh, She's very elegant. She's a great accent, comic timing less so, but I think that's okay. And then rounding out the trio, Kristen Stewart, who to me has just risen to the top of the pile of people who I know and love in Hollywood, know and love Who, who, who I love. So she is probably most well known for starring as Bella in the Twilight saga But we should definitely, definitely not be holding that against her, as we should not hold it against Robert Pattinson, who I think has more than proven his chops as a quote-unquote serious actor. So Kristen Stewart, she was uh, in Twilight and the following films. She stars here as Sabina, and Sabina is kind of your sassy bad girl, um, but lovable, very lovable. And... Kristen Stewart was in Zathura before she kind of hit her Twilight stage. She was also in Snow White and the Huntsman. She's done a lot of more what they – I think they still call quote-unquote indie films. So she's done more – some low-key stuff. She did some Woody Allen stuff. Uh, Now she's back doing big-ticket stuff, which I'm here for. I'm here for anything she does, actually. I really quite like Kristen Stewart. And – I read a very interesting article in Vox about how she should be one of the Chrises because not just because her name's Kristen Stewart and she's amazing, but something about, you know, the energy that the Chrises, what makes them the Chrises, you know, Hemsworth, Pine, um, Evans, and so on, that she's really embodying that here. And I thought that was a very fun article. So look that up if you're interested in that. So those are our core angels. And then we've got Elizabeth Banks as our Bosley. Uh Also making an appearance, hence the title of our show, is Patrick Stewart. And, I mean, love him, love everything he does, obviously. Also, Digimon Hounso? I should have looked that up. I feel like that was offensive. I should have looked up his name. I feel terrible. So he was in uh, Captain Marvel and he was in Aquaman and he was in, yeah, so... I think, you know, you would recognize him for sure. And he's kind of really, I guess, kicking off. He's uh, getting some good big roles. And he's in this as well um, as a Bosley also. So, I mean, this is just a really great way to get a lot of people into big Bosleys. I guess uh, I've sort of rabbited on a little bit here. So before we dig any more into this new reboot and my thoughts, I think let's listen to another track. Now, this track is actually from one of the uh, Lucy Lou. Charlie's Angels. But I thought it would be fun to play it anyway. Like I said, those ones really kind of they had a lot of good music drops and they had a like their their list of tracks was just a positive uh wonderful like picking ground for things to play. So, but I decided that what I'm going to play, I'm going to play Barracuda by Heart. Hi, I'm Andrea Thompson and I play Talia Winters, resident commercial telepath on Babylon 5. You're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R. And I know what you're thinking. Yes, you are listening to Zero G. I am Megan McHugh. Shout out to Rob if you are listening. Uh, So we're just talking a little bit about Charlie's Angels and the new film. Um, Okay, so we've talked about the Angels, talked about the history. All right, so now we're on to my opinions. Um, I mean... I quite enjoyed this film. I thought it was fun. It had some good fun action. I really like a lot of the actors in this. And I think because I've seen some of them in things and I'm interested to see more. So, for example, there's an Australian actor called Chris Pang who is in this. He doesn't have a huge role, um, but he was in Crazy Rich Asians. And I don't know, I just dig him And, and so on and so forth. And I think... While it doesn't go in the direction of let's have a crazy situation where they have to dress up like nurses or whatever, they do have a lot of fun with, um, you know, letting them kick ass and also letting them kind of do cool cool shit, basically. Kristen Stewart by far for me is a highlight, as is Patrick Stewart in this. And, I mean, Kristen Stewart for me really held this film together because she was funny. I just think she was a spiritual heart of the film here. I would watch another one of them – of this trio. And, I mean, I think that's saying a lot because I think a a lot of the time it either hangs together or it doesn't. But then again, I really enjoyed – I've really enjoyed the other Charlie's Angels movies and, you know, according to Roger Ebert, they were trash. Um, But I I liked what was going on here. I do think – There was uh, one or two things which I won't go into because I still don't want to get into spoiler territory that I didn't love. Uh, I think maybe it pushed it a little far. I think we could have just, I don't know, had some cool girl power messages and, I don't know, left it at that. Um, Sam Claffin is also in this. He was also in The Hunger Games as Finnick and I quite like him as well and he he does it. He has a good turn in this. Noah Centineo. he was also, he was in All the Boys I've Loved Before. He's kind of like one of the latest hot things on Netflix right now and in life. He has a small role in this too. So, again, I really appreciated this because these are a lot of the actors that I've seen in things recently – Uh, maybe small things or different things and who I follow on Instagram. So I quite liked seeing them in this. I'm not sure it would hit the right notes for everyone. I'm not sure it would hit the right notes for people who are fans of the original series. I think if you liked the 2000 era movies, you would like this. Uh, I think there's some good sentiments here. They're trying to get some messaging across on certain very hot-button topics. Doesn't really push it too far, though, which I liked. I think there's definite undertones of that, and I think we are seeing some stuff come out. You know, it's the Me Too era. Uh, But they don't really push that too much, Uh, except for those few things I sort of mentioned before that I actually can't go into because I don't want to spoil anything. I mean, the plot isn't wildly uh exciting or weirdly thrilling it's kind of your typical international run around type of story um obviously there's some twists and turns but I think in terms of like for example in Full Throttle I think some of the plot there was a bit richer in that it was ridiculous but you were kind of there for the ride they really got you on board with this This plays it a little more straight as an action comedy. And so as such, I think maybe those narrative notes needed a bit more depth. Uh, But I mean, it's a Charlie's Angels movie. I mean, we're not trying to be, you know, we know what we're trying to be. And I think it's fine in this instance. Uh, It's not as camp or wacky as any of the other. So the series or the 2000s ones, but that's fine. She's not going for that. She's kind of waved a brush over this and is trying to make it an action film and an action franchise, and I respect that. Uh, What else? Yeah, I mean, look, I dug this. I did. I think that it was fun. I think there were some issues with it, and it's probably not going to stick in the memory, but I love Kristen Stewart. I want to see more of her doing these fun roles and kind of having fun with things. I definitely am up for more of that from her. And yeah, I mean, overall, I think I would count this as a, a successful outing. I quite enjoyed it. There's enough good here to kind of overshadow anything that's maybe a bit more paint by numbers. And there is some paint by numbers stuff in here. So I've seen some <laughs> worse uh, spy related films lately, uh like The Spy Who Dumped Me, which was uh, uh, abysmal. So yeah. Charlie's Angels, latest film out now, directed by Elizabeth Banks, who writes it, also stars. Uh, we've got a new sort of trio. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit, it's very much a reflection of our times, but there's action in this. There's butt kicking. There's, you know, all kinds of stuff. So I think it's, it's worth trotting along to if you feel it appeals, if you like the look of the trailer, if you liked some of the other films. So head along to that. Okay, next up, I think we might just have a little bit of a chat about Limetown. So to get us in the mood for that, because we're really kind of switching gears here, what I might do is actually play the title theme from the podcast, which is a bit of fun. And I don't believe this is used in the TV series, or if so, I missed it. But this is by Martin D. Fowler, who did the soundtrack for season one of Limetown, the podcast. This is the title theme. I'm Terry Pratchett, the undeservedly famous author of the Discworld novels, so you can believe me when I say that Zero G on 3 Triple R is the finest science fiction and fantasy show this side of the black stump. I also think Dibbler's delicious pork sausages are the finest eating anywhere, anywhere in the world, so you know you can trust me on this, ha 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 ha, with three exclamation marks. Yes, this is Zero G. I am Megan McHugh. You are listening to Triple R. So I realized just as I was playing that, that was Limetown title theme by Martin D. Fowler from the Limetown podcast season one. <laughs> I didn't talk about I was like, did I talk about the plot of Charlie's Angels at all or any of the, you know, distinguishing details? No, I didn't. But look, <laughs> all you need to know is there's a MacGuffin that they're running around trying to find and the main message is you can't trust anyone. And... uh women kick butt. And, and you don't really need to know. I mean, these plots are always just excuses. There is a really great cameo from my favorite snowboarder. And yes, I do have a favorite snowboarder uh, at the end. But yes, so I apologize. But I think these things, it's your typical action fair. There's a bit of a climate change, uh, energy efficiency message over the top there. Um, and they run around to different places in Europe. That's about it, really. Uh, so on to our next topic, which I'm just going to run through a little bit uh, just to kind of wind up the show. I covered it a while ago, a podcast called Limetown. So it's look, it's been out for four years. So I think I'm allowed to say this now. It's a fictional podcast and it's a series. It's by two up productions. It originally came out in July on tw- in 2015. Now, the series was written uh, and, I guess, put together by Zach Ackers and Skip Bronchi, and they get a credit on the TV series, which is what we're going to be mainly talking about today. What I realised, there is a second season, which I did not know, and that came out last year in October 2018. So interested in checking that out. But it was six episodes and the main draw card of it, which I feel – I don't, I mean, maybe I've ruined it. Maybe you should just go and listen to it. But what mainly was interesting about it is, is that it's a bit of a war of the worlds in the era of podcasts. And that's what I really loved about it, that it was the premise of I'm a national public radio, or sorry, American public radio reporter. This is my story that I'm putting together a la serial or, you know, whatever. And This is the tape I've recorded and this is my narrative and, whoa, it's this crazy, suspenseful story. And it's done in this very earnest fashion, which is what makes it so great because it's essentially – it is a fiction – and the way it's all woven together, you're like, oh, I see what you're doing here. You understand the podcast medium. And I'm not sure, I could probably look this up, but I think it was one of the first podcasts doing that kind of thing in terms of a narrative. I mean, obviously, the the radio plays as old as time, as old as the radio. But this was something that I thought at the time was really interesting because I was very into podcasts, just like the podcast that Limetown was emulating. And it was doing something quite clever and interesting. And since then, there's been quite a lot of very interesting, strictly narrative-based ones. Um, Homecoming is another one that has also been adapted into the into a series. But so Limetown, L-I-M-E-T-O-W-N, originally a podcast. And there's also uh, there's a book deal, so there's going to be a novel. I think it's out now, so you could find that novel, um, which, I mean, I guess would be pretty interesting. And now it has been turned into a TV series on the platform called Facebook Watch, which I have never watched anything on, don't really know anything about. I like that it's free. but So you can find this, but you'll have to go onto Facebook. Just if you Google it, you'll get a link Um to to watch it in Facebook Watch, and they're they're all up there. There's 10 episodes. I've watched the first couple because I just kind of wanted to get a feel for it as to whether it was something that I wanted to continue to pursue, Uh, and I'll get to that in a moment. But this stars Jessica Biel, and we've probably most recently seen her in The Sinner, which isn't strictly in our jurisdiction, but uh, that's probably kind of the biggest note thing she's done of late. Stanley Tucci is also in this as well. Beale is also an executive producer. And I heard on another podcast that I was listening to that apparently she's very into podcasts. She really loves them. And I think maybe that's why she was attached to this and really wanted to get it off the ground. So she's an executive producer on this as well. So it sort of follows from what I can tell the season one fairly uh, sort of closely um, from what I've seen in the first couple. I would suspect it may diverge later on because these things will often begin like they're, you know, source material and then maybe diverge a little later. So I'll have to persevere with that. I think I will persevere with this. The vibe is good. I think it looks very good. It's quite ominous. The style, um, the style is very uh what's the word kind of demure it's very uh yeah, it's very demure, but it's it's interesting the way they're doing it. I mean, I think the protagonist here, which Jessica Beale plays, a reporter called Leah haddock, she's not that likable, which I'm fine with, and I actually really like when series do that. I also think taking something from a pot what Limetown was as a podcast and trying to make it into a series is quite risky. And I did get a bit of a sense of that here because part of what made it such a joy was the medium and the way it was put together and the way it was a pod, yeah, just kind of the way it was this fake podcast that really felt like a real podcast that was telling a story. And it worked because it was really capitalizing on that medium. Whereas as soon as you take it out of that and make it TV, some of that cleverness goes away straight away. And while I do enjoy the element of what it's like to see actually how you would make that content and how you would have to record those things and stick a microphone in people's faces, is that really the TV I want to be watching? I'm not sure. But they do amp up the action in this a decent amount, and which I was happy to see. It is a very interesting and intriguing story, but is listening to it unfold better than watching it unfold. And that's something the jury's still out on for me. I think that you run a certain amount of risks and I'm not sure if the tension will be the same, but I'm interested to keep going with this. Uh, They don't really waste any time in kind of making it amp up a bit. I did find the first episode was a little slow, uh, but I think it's kind of just seeping you in what we're doing and kind of introducing you a little... Episode two, I think, was far better, if we're using the term better, Uh, or it grabbed me a little bit more. So I think I'm wondering how much they're going to try to give us of let's look at Leah's internal life and how much is going to be let's strictly look at this mystery that we're looking at. So without delving too much into it, part of the core mystery of Limetown is that um, the residents all, I mean, and this is, Pretty straight up in the in the series, all the residents disappear one day, so they can't be found, and it's a very mysterious town. And there's um, science and things going on there, and uh, kind of you're going on this journey to unravel not just what happened there to the people, but what was happening there in general, and kind of what that core mystery is, and and all of that. So it's sort of a bit X Filesy, and it's, uh, it's sort of done in a way that's meant to really feel like this is something that could and would happen. But I mean, yeah, I don't know if it could or would. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I would recommend actually listening to the podcast, but I don't know if that's going to actually detract from the <laughs> detract from the series. You might get more out of the series if you don't really know anything about it, aside from the small amount that I've ruined here. I think the mystery part is taken out. I think in this, you can see right away that it's I would never be like, is this a documentary? Um, so you lose a bit of that element that you got when you first listen to the podcast. But check out the podcast. You can get that from anywhere you get your podcasts. And Limetown is available on Facebook Watch. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how to navigate to that. I just Googled it. so And then the links will come up for you to have a look at. Um, yeah, I mean... I'll look at a couple more episodes. There's a lot of content out there that I want to be watching. uh, So I don't know. This will still make the cut, but I might give it one or two more goes. The episodes are about 30 minutes. So, you know, I can give it maybe another 30 minutes or an hour more. So I think that is about it for zero G today. I've gone at solo um, and it's been quite enjoyable. Did miss Rob though. So it'll be nice to have him back next week. And yeah, so thank you very much for listening. I think what we'll do is we will wrap up with one of my favorite Bowie's because we have to play a Bowie track because that's just the rules. Uh this one was in the 2000 the very first Charlie's Angel movie, the 2001 with Drew Barrymore et all. So uh our Bowie track for the day for the day for today is going to be Rebel Rebel. Now I am playing the remaster. Apologies for that. But, um, yeah, so this has been Zero G. Coming up next, Astral Glamour with Joe Brunadic. And, yeah, thank you very much. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast, of Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.